over the past two years, I have sort of made it a tradition of mine to choose two words to make my words of the year. It's not necessarily a New Year's resolution, but rather two things to focus on throughout the year, whether it's improving it or finding ways to use it. Last year, my words were gratuity and accountability, two things I needed to work on. It actually went quite well. I learned to stop complaining about the little things and being grateful for things. I learned how to let situations happen for me and not to me. I also learned to take ownership of everything that happens. I guess I took a piece out of the great Jocko Willink and Leif Babbitt's book, Extreme Ownership, when it came to that. I learned that no matter what the circumstance or situation, there is always a way to track it back to something that I did or did not do. I learned to own my mistakes and then work so I didn't make them anymore. I suppose that's still a day-to-day -day task a year later. I ask myself each year before the new year arrives what words to choose and why I pick two. It's somewhat easier for me to pick two words rather than one, I suppose, to really dive into for the year. I like to think that the reason it is easier, and I say that with air quotes, is that it grants me double the opportunity to apply my words of the year to my life. It might be difficult sometimes finding ways to apply one word so this way I am able to have two different words to help mold my year and my life into what I want it to be. This year I chose two words that seem to be almost exact opposites, but in all reality, they go hand in hand. Patience and persistence. Patience is its own challenge, and I've already helped you climb that mountain. This time, we're covering the latter of the two, persistence. The idea behind the word persistence is that you would never stop. Even in the face of defeat, you continue the action even in the face of difficulty or opposition. There's also another definition of the word persistence, and that is the continued or prolonged existence of something. In truth, both definitions are the same. I want to tell you a story about persistence that struck me when I read about it. This story is about a young boy that, despite being faced with a seemingly impossible challenge, persisted and was able to surpass what once was thought impossible. The beginning of the story takes place in the year 1917 when Glenn, being only eight years old at the time, was involved in an incident at his schoolhouse that was nearly fatal. Back then, the schoolhouses had to be heated the old-fashioned way with a kerosene stove inside the building, which meant someone had to be there to light the fire before all the other kids arrived. Glenn and his older brother Floyd were there that morning, and by sheer accident, his brother Floyd mistakenly put gasoline in the can instead of kerosene, causing a small explosion resulting in a very large fire. 
Once folks in the town were alerted to the blaze, they arrived, entering the schoolhouse and were able to find both of the brothers inside unconscious. Floyd, 13 years old at the time, died inside the inferno that was once their schoolhouse. Glenn, the younger brother, suffering life-threatening burns to the lower half of his body, was pulled from the burning building, still unconscious. After being treated at the hospital, he awoke to the sound of the attending physicians talking to his parents. The doctors explained that the extent of the burns on his legs was quite substantial. He had lost all the flesh on his knees and shins on both legs. All of the toes on his left foot had been consumed by the fire as well. The doctors believed that the best course of action was to amputate Glenn's legs and suggested it to his parents in order to give him a better quality of life. Upon hearing this, Glenn naturally became very distressed and convinced his parents to refuse the doctor's orders and not have his legs removed. While still working through the idea that he nearly lost his legs, Glenn learned that his brother, Floyd, had perished in the blaze. After hearing the news, he attempted to jump from his bed, only to find that he could not move his legs at all. Two crushing blows in what was most likely the worst day of his eight-year-old life. Losing his best friend, his brother, and also losing the use of his legs. The main mode of transportation for every eight-year-old boy. Gone in a flash of fire and pain. Glenn was devastated. The doctors eventually sent Glenn home. They also gave his parents instructions to stretch and massage his legs in order to encourage the healing process and possibly help with muscle flexibility. Even with all of that, the doctors predicted that Glenn would not ever be able to walk again. A short time later, the bandages were able to come off and Glenn was able to see the ravaged limbs that once were his legs. Dangling from his wheelchair, he could see the damage that was done weeks before to his knees, his shins, and his missing toes. Glenn's right leg was so severely burnt that it had become misshapen, a grotesque version of its former self, along with being a full two inches shorter. On top of all the painful stretching and massaging, Glenn still could not walk or use his legs at all. Skin grafts and transplants were not an option nearly two centuries prior to the Great Depression. So the doctors had quite literally done everything that they could have done. Glenn's legs would continue to hang lifeless from his wheelchair as he stared out the windows at the outside world he felt he no longer belonged in. I can only imagine the internal pain that he went through as an eight-year-old boy being told he could no longer use his legs. No more summer days spent riding bicycles or running through creeks and trails. His days were now destined to be spent confined to a wheelchair, broken. This feeling of hopelessness and helplessness only drove Glenn to push himself harder he took the orders from the doctors very seriously and stretched his limbs and rubbed his muscles until tears fell from his eyes. And then he stretched more. 
all the excruciating hours Glenn spent massaging and stretching his burnt and scarred legs only fueled him more and more. He was determined to walk again. And finally, one sunny afternoon in 1919, Glenn began a new journey. Glenn's mother wheeled him outside into the backyard for some fresh air. She then went back inside, only to look out into the yard to see that Glenn was no longer in his wheelchair. She rushed out the doors in a panic to find her son crawling on the grass, pulling himself along the fence, using only his hands, with his legs trailing behind. This crawling motion eventually led Glenn to pull himself up to standing against the fence, using it as a crutch to walk alongside, stumbling with each uneasy step back and forth. He would continue to do this for weeks and weeks, wearing a smooth path in the grass next to the picket fence. Soon the stumbling turned to limping, which would eventually turn to steps. Glenn, resisting his mother's constant attempts in aiding him, willed his legs to work every single day. He willed his burnt and scarred muscles and tendons to work as they once did, moving him forward one uneasy step at a time. After months of his homemade physical therapy and to the astonishment of the doctors, Glenn was able to walk again. He was able to walk without assistance, but he also came to another interesting discovery. The nerves in his legs still worked. That meant that they felt pain. In an interview with Glenn, he was quoted saying that it hurt like thunder to walk, but it didn't hurt at all when I ran. So for five or six years, about all I did was run. Despite having legs still riddled with scars and misshapen by the blaze, Glenn ran everywhere. He was soon well known around his hometown in Kansas as he ran for his schools and would later run for his collegiate team at the University of Kansas. This is where the story becomes a tale and our hero becomes a legend. While training and competing throughout his years in college, Glenn would surpass every national and state record for the half-mile and mile runs, running a single mile faster than anyone had ever run them before, edging closer and closer to that mythical four-minute mile. Glenn competed throughout his collegiate years, always improving on his time second by second until the year 1934, when Glenn set the world record for the fastest mile ever recorded. Glenn Cunningham a young boy from Kansas who nearly perished in a blaze, lost the use of his legs, regained the use of his legs, and then became a world record holder. All that pain, all the suffering, all those days spent in a wheelchair, lifeless legs dangling below him, he used that pain and suffering and turned it into something incredible. He was told he would never walk again. He proved them wrong. He forced himself to walk. He manifested the ability to walk back into his life, just as it had been taken away from him through pain and suffering. In the face of difficulty, Glenn persisted and pushed onward, willing his legs to work again, making them better than they had been before. 
And although they now bore the scars of the past, they were merely life's graffiti on the canvas that God had given him. Ben Franklin is often credited with the quote, energy and persistence conquer all things. Glenn proved that to be true on that sunny Kansas afternoon when he began forcing his muscles to live again, forcing them to persist, to have a prolonged or continued existence in his life. You see, we as humans tend to want to stop, to quit when we are met with adversity. It's in our nature. I hearken back to the amygdala or the midbrain responses of fight, flight, or freeze. The brain is a complex organ, sending quite literally millions of messages throughout the body at an astronomical rate. So when it is met with adversity or something that causes fear, it gives one of the quickest responses it can. One of the big three, fight, flight, or freeze. If you are faced with something that causes you to freeze up or want to run the other direction because it's too hard or it will take too long, I strongly urge you to reconsider. For yourself today, for yourself tomorrow, and for yourself a year from now, reconsider running the other direction. Instead, consider fighting. Consider persisting and moving forward. If you have been so badly mistreated by life that you are scarred and your legs hang lifeless at the foot of your bed, consider persisting. If you have been wheeled out into the world only to observe what everyone else is able to do and you feel the need to give up, consider persisting. Push yourself out of that chair, out of that bed, and out of that grave you have dug for yourself and persist. Drag yourself away towards your future, towards the things that they told you that you couldn't do. Pull yourself up on the fence posts of life that once served as your cage, but now serve as your brace and eventually your starting blocks. With each new step in the right direction, moving forward and persisting, unwavering from your now manifested destiny, your small steps become long strides as your scarred and misshapen life becomes a battle-hardened and wiser person. Persist through the pain, through the anguish, and turn your stumbling blocks into starting blocks. Push off of them with great speed and tact, crossing the finish line after finish line in victory simply because you said yes to the challenge and continued through it even though everyone you know and the rest of the world told you to stop. No matter what happens, no matter how difficult or trying, you must keep moving forward. If you are given the choice between fight, flight, or freeze, always choose fight. Head down, eyes focused, one step at a time. Persist in the face of adversity, but don't just say yes to the challenge. The hardest part of talking the talk is walking 
the walk.